Hey, Dan, can I fake it and my passion is gone? Well, hey, you know where I'm going to go with that. Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, hey, I love taking care of business. You know I do. Glad you're here. Welcome to the 48 Days Podcast. We got some great questions today, like, Dan, I'm starting a business, providing training and consulting to other companies. How important is it for me to incorporate versus just operating as a sole proprietor? How about this? What do you do when you have more work and clients than you want? Golly. Not a common question, but certainly one we'll have fun with. Somebody says, I'm a new loan officer and the job is 100% commission. Should I just go out and get a job so I have a regular income, even though that means I'll have little time to put into the loan position? Or is there some trick to making 100% commission work faster? Yeah, there's some tricks. We'll share those. How can I monetize reading to kids? And then this one, I'm a 55-year-old pastor and have lost my passion for this position. Should I just stay and stomach the church because of the significant income? Now, don't, don't get ahead of me. I know you know what I'm gonna, where I'm going to go with that. <laughs> well, hey, well, we'll talk about these and applications for you in your life and where you are. Our quotation, I drew from that last question. Quotation comes from Steve Jobs, who says, your work is going to fill a large part of your life. And the only way to be truly satisfied is to do what you believe is great work. And the only way to do great work is to love what you do. If you haven't found it yet, keep looking. Don't settle. Well, great advice, and we'll expand on that. Our resource for today is um, the, the new 48 days book, but we've got a whole bunch of things there that you can access even before you get the book. You can download the first chapter. You can do this quiz. I love this. Love your life quiz that we've got. So go to 48days.com slash love your work 20. That's the URL. 48days.com slash love your work 20. It's a 20th anniversary edition. You'll see our our work you love quiz, um, access to, you know, the down, the audio version, the digital PDF. And then of course, along with the book, we've got sample cover letters, intro letters, resumes, follow-up letters, a 48 day schedule and a whole lot of other things. So check it out. Be delighted to have you connect with us in that way. You know, speaking of reading, it's kind of interesting because Joanna and I are, you know, preparing to move. And so I'm going through books. Now I've already given away yeah, several thousand books, created a brand new library that's uh, going to be an entrepreneur library, the Dan Miller Library. I'm pretty jazzed about that, delighted to have done that. But I continue to get a lot of books. Now I have a lot of books sent to me by publishers and authors, but I also order books. I mean, I don't hesitate to just order books. Now, the thing is, you know, Joanna and I are kind of looking at all the possessions that we've got, and we really want to trim down 
all the things that we have. And of course, you know, our kids are grown, so we don't need little kid things around. Um, we aren't going to have as big a property. So a lot of things that I have accumulated just because we've got a big property, we don't need. So it's really kind of fun just to minimize and to trim down and to be wise about, you know, how we spend money. And there's no question about that being an ongoing part. But here's the deal. Books pay us back. I mean, I really believe that. It's not just an expense. A book is an investment. So I don't think twice about a book title. Somebody mentions it, boom. You know, I order it before the conversation's over. Because all I need is to get one idea out of that book. So, you know, if we have, here's a quotation from Petrarch, one of the old philosophers, said, gold, silver, jewels, purple garments, houses built of marble, groomed estates, pious paintings, other things of this kind offer um, mutable and superficial pleasure. Books give delight to the very marrow of one's bones. They speak to us, consult with us, and join us with us in living and intense intimacy. So if you want to learn and grow and improve yourself, invest in books. I mean, you have to be willing to acquire books and courses and access to information. These are, the, these are part of the one buying habit you shouldn't think twice about. I mean, it's one thing you don't want to cut out of your budget when you're economizing because the wisdom you get from books always pays for itself. It pays you back. So be careful about even if you're on a budget, I mean, that's fine. But even when Joanne and I were deeply, deeply in debt and working a way to get out of that, I never stopped investing in books and courses, programs that would accelerate my learning to get out of the situation that we were in. Well, enough on that. Hey, a couple of good news items here. We'll jump into the questions. Here's some good news. I mean, retail sales jumped 17.7% in May. Now, you know, we're just coming out of this crazy pandemic thing, so it's not unexpected. Wow. It's the largest monthly increase in consumer spending ever to see a 70 and almost an 18% increase in one month. We've never experienced that in history. Of course, it was an artificial deflation holding us down. So it's not unexpected that it bounces back. In the month of May, last month, the economy gained 2.5 million jobs. Again, that's never been seen in history before. We've never seen the drop in unemployment in one month that we saw last month. Again, this is an artificial situation and just opening the door again. We saw hundreds of thousands of workers go back to jobs in restaurants, healthcare, construction, all kinds of industries, back in business. Delight to see that. Well, here's here's a new website called Pandemic of Love. And this connected 132,000 people in need of aid with those who can help. Now, what happened, there was a lady in South Florida who started an online grassroots effort just to make a difference in her community. Now it's raised millions of dollars for hundreds of thousands of people around the world. So this is a local mindfulness teacher. 
Name is Shelly, got an unusual last name. I'll just stick with Shelly. She launched her pandemic of love in Fort Lauderdale after seeing people around her losing their jobs, worried not just about money, but also their health amidst the, the COVID crisis. Her social media feed grew abuzz with fear and anxiety. And she said, as a mindfulness coach, not unexpected, she wanted to do something to make a difference in the difficulty. She said, I wanted to turn from this environment of fear to an opportunity for us to create connection, community, and strengthen the bonds of love between us. So it started really simply. She did a little video. You can look it up on her Instagram post back in March, middle of March. She announced a new program aimed at connecting those with a need due to loss of income with those who are in a position of privilege and able to be of service. So she went to bed that night. She wasn't sure that it'd make any difference, but in the morning, she'd received, check this out, 400 requests for help. Now, that's a whole lot. And what do you think? Maybe one or two people who offered to help? No. She had 400 requests for help and 500 offers for help. So she's just been connecting those, connecting those. You know, a lot of people just need like money for food for their kids. The average request is about $150. But this has raised over $13 million. I mean, this has really gone crazy, and I love seeing that. It's called a pandemic of love. So you can just look that up, but it's connecting people who really do have a legitimate need and people who are willing to help. I mean, that's the thing that's so encouraging at a time like this. It's not everybody just standing there with their hand out hoping somebody's going to. No, there's a whole lot of people say, you know, I've not been impacted. I mean, Joanne and I have had some experiences like that where our business has not been impacted negatively, and we're grateful for that. So in looking around, it's not hard to identify those whose businesses have been hurt. And we've been able to help some people out, and it, rightfully so. You know, we just consider that an obvious responsibility to do that. Well, here's another good news thing. A Kentucky tattoo parlor is offering free cover-ups for hate tattoos. Now this, you know, it, it's amazing. Of course, the decisions made by, you know, 17 or 18 year old and getting a tattoo all often are not considered wise when you're 35 years old. And so a lot of people have tattoos that they kind of regret. So this is the Gallery X Art Collective in Murray, Kentucky, posted an offer on Facebook last week to cover up any racist, hateful, or gang-related tattoos free of charge. And in the first week, they got 30 requests. So they're really busy doing this. They're covering these things up. And, you know, there's a guy, there's a guy with a uh, swastika on his chest, which embarrassed him so much he never took his shirt off around his children. Wow. So they turn that into something else. Others kind of hate tattoos where people are part of a gang or whatever. They can get those taken off. Well, they also started because, you know, because they are booking work that would take six months to do. They put up a GoFundMe page and said, you know, we want to do the work, but we can't just dedicate all of our time to doing free work. Well, they've already raised over $35,000. Where again, people have said, I want to help out. You know, maybe somebody else that had a tattoo changed or just somebody who appreciates tattoos but wants to be part of this 
correction process. Cool things happening all around us. This is not a time just of gloom and doom. Believe me, this is a time when we see a whole lot of good things happening and a whole lot of good people raising their hands saying, I want to make a difference. All right, let's go into the questions. Nathan says, do I need to incorporate? Hi, Dan, I'm starting a business, providing training and consulting to other companies. How important is it for me to incorporate versus just operating as a sole proprietor for the sake of billing? I plan to just use my name as my brand. How hard is it to incorporate? How long does it take? Also, this may be silly, but I'm having a hard time coming up with a legal name. How hard is it to change a legal name after incorporating? All right, let's kind of walk through those. Do you need to incorporate when you're providing training and consulting to other companies? Well, the primary reason for forming a legal entity, which is going to be an LLC, an S Corp, a C Corp, some kind of corporate status like that. The primary reason is to protect you from liability. So are you in a high liability industry? No, not really. You know, providing training, consulting to other companies, I wouldn't consider that high liability at all. I mean, I don't consider what I do high liability, you know, coaching, speaking, writing. No, I don't consider that high liability. I would be more concerned about liability insurance if I started mowing lawns, you know, where I may pick up a rock and throw it through somebody's window and have to pay for it. Now, that being said, I do have at this point liability insurance, but I'm going to give you some guidelines for when I think that's it, that is necessary. So when you, I would encourage you just go ahead and start. Don't worry about it. Go ahead and start. Then when you hit 50 or $60,000 in annual revenue, then look at the options with your CPA. You may want to consider, you know, doing something that's a little more professional. Now, the part about choosing a name is a little tricky because if you start operating with a particular name and become known for that, and then you decide to incorporate, then they'll do a national search to see if that name is being used. And if it is, you can incorporate under that name. So it does kind of, it's kind of the chicken and the egg here. Which do you do first? You do want to be pretty clear on a name you're going to use. But the the most important thing to have with the name is the URL. So you want to have a nice, easy URL that you can use as your name, even before you decide to incorporate. That is the most important thing. Now, I personally use the business source. That was my business name. For several years, I mean, how, geez, you know, how jazzy is that? It's the most generic oatmeal, three combinations you could ever come up with, the business source. But I used that because I didn't really have a clear sense of, you know, what a, a name, a unique name or brand would be. Then I discovered, I stumbled onto this idea of 48 days, and it was like somebody poured gasoline on my business. So then I formed a new LLC with that name. It's really not that difficult. Now, your question about, you know, how difficult is it? You can go down to the, it's going to be the state office where you do this, but you can go into whatever you are statewide, go into the state office and you can file for corporation. Usually it's going to cost a hundred bucks and you can walk in, fill out the papers and walk out with a corporate charter. It's that easy. However, again, there's a, a caveat here. I would not really recommend doing that. Again, I'd recommend getting revenues up so they're reasonable, so you're really well established as a business. And then I'd have an attorney do the corporation. 
It's going to cost you three or $400 probably. Should, still shouldn't be a whole lot, but at least have him do it so you know you've got the name protection and all that you need, which are the real advantages of having a corporation. All right, good questions. I'm sure a lot of people have gotten some guidance in that conversation. Well, this comes from Aaron, who, who titles his uh, question, Too Much Work to Handle. Am I just that good? I love that. <laughs> I'm so good. I've got more work and clients than I want. And he says, Dan, what do you do when you have more work and clients than you want? I've worked for the fire service for 15 years. And for the last 10 of those years, I maintained a blog and I've done extensive writing in the industry. Due to this and my activity on LinkedIn, I've made many connections. These two factors have led to multiple side jobs related to the fire code development and content creation. This has been fun and good for a while. However, I have run into a new problem. I'm getting more clients and work than I want, and the work has stopped being fun. Okay, that's a real important part right there. So much work that all of a sudden it's not even fun. I love the work I do for the fire department. This is my primary source of income and priority. This is a career that I'm into for the long term. The side jobs were fun, helped me stay fresh and involved in the industry. Though extra money is never a bad thing, the side work money is just extra. People keep coming to me to do work for them because I have a unique blend of skill sets. I understand the fire codes and code development process. I can write well. and I build a network of fire service professionals. I don't want to do the extra work anymore, but I keep saying yes because my desire has always been to help People solve problems. When they come to me, I want to solve their problem, but it's becoming too much and in conflict with fire department priorities. I've tried to refer the work to others, but many times they already have a full plate as well. I've given a high price quote, but they're not deterred and keep coming. My question is, how can I serve people and solve their unique problems, help them get what they want without adding to my plate or workload or being filled with guilt? Look forward to your response. Thanks so much, Aaron. Man, thanks for your question. I love your question. What do you do when you have more work and clients than you want? Well, you're in a great position, Aaron. I mean, I checked out your site. You have a ton of articles, resources, white papers. You have a ton of certifications. You've done a whole lot of presentations. You've got courses that you've taught and created. You've got books that you've written. So you've got a really broad foundation. The one thing that is irritating you that you're finding no fun anymore is the personal connection, the personal work, the personal coaching that you're doing. I would encourage you to just focus on the things that create residual income for you and eliminate those that require your personal time. So continue to write. You you do. You have a wealth of writing that you've done and write well, continue to write, but then turn all your content into downloadable checklists, PDFs, and core courses, all things that people can pay for. Just create a paywall for a lot of the content that you already have available there, and you'll generate nice residual passive income without requiring any more of your time. Do the things, only do the things where you can do it once and get paid a thousand times. If you use that as a guide, it'll eliminate the personal time, you know, the five hours you're spending with somebody personally. Now, I, you know, I'm, I'm pretty familiar with this space. You know, one time I was coaching five days a week. It was low hanging fruit. The needs are just insurmountable, non-ending, but 
five days a week. But as I developed other methods of income, then I went from five days to four days to three days to two days. And at this point, I dedicate not one day a week. I dedicate one day a month to personal coaching. I still enjoy doing it. I still want to hear those real life stories. I don't want to ever remove myself from that totally, but I only do that one day a month instead of five days a week like I used to. So I, and it's because I developed the very things we're talking about here where the content still that people are looking for is readily available. They can get a $20 book. They can get a $297 course. You know, they can join, join our online community, the Eagles community. There's a whole lot of things they can do, but those are things that do not require my personal time. And you're perfectly positioned to do that. And congratulations on working yourself into a position where you have more work and clients than you can handle. And we do now, now we do a lot of referrals. I, uh, you say that hasn't worked well for you. We have a really robust referral system where we match a person's need who's requesting coaching with an experienced coach who has proven expertise in that area. So there's a match. And I feel really good about doing that because we have a lot of coaches who can coach in a particular area you know, far better than I could because I don't have experience in that area. And then we get referral fees, referral commissions back. So that's another source of income without me doing it personally. And you could certainly explore that. Well, Laura says, I need help from a coach. So again, a related kind of question. Hello, I'm in the 48 Days Eagles group, she says. And until now, I could not really get going on my side business because of family issues. My goal is to retire from or complete my federal career on December 31st, 2020. All right. I love that. Golly, I like that, Laura, that you're clear on that. I mean, the clock is ticking. Here we are, middle of June, and you want to retire or complete that in another six months. That's a great timeline. All right. And Laura says, I would also love to in six months to reach a monthly income goal of $4,800 a month. That sounds like a nice figure to me. My biggest challenge is time constraints while I work full time. And sometimes I feel isolated trying to do this thing on my own, even though I'm in ghostwriters group with Nick Pavlidis. Um, it feels like a struggle. I know you have various coaches in your program. Are there any with whom I could work once or twice a month by phone or Zoom that might charge just a few hundred dollars a month to help me launch? Now, the, the first thing is to identify, Laura, what is it that you're looking for? Are you looking for accountability? I mean, just someone to check in with you to see if you're staying on track. I mean, we, we have people who work with the 12-week year. So you set goals for 90 days as 12 weeks, and then, you know, they'll help you stay on track with that. So that would be reasonable. Or do you want someone to bring new ideas to the table to really help you develop what you're going to be doing to generate income? So you have to be clear on what it is that you're really looking for. I mean, I'm, you know, have coaches in different areas because I have very specific things where I want to accelerate my understanding and my progress and success in those areas. But with what you're describing, I'd consider you to, I'd encourage you to consider a group program rather than an individual coach if you really want to stay in that budget range, you know, a few hundred dollars a month. So, and that's very reasonable. And it sounds like that would be a fit where you don't need really intense, 
you know, development of who you are and what your goals are, but you just have kind of a track that you want to stay on and you want encouragement to stay on that track so you can be consistent about developing your side business in these next six months while you're completing your traditional job. So there's a whole bunch of group programs out there that I would recommend, like Scott Beebe. Scott, you know, we have him on as a Monday mentor a couple times a year. My business purpose, my, oh, I'm sorry, mybusinessonpurpose.com is Scott's site. And he has a really great program. I hear rave reviews about his program, and it's $197 a month. So you have weekly calls. You have structure, but by doing it in a group, you get the economy of scale. He can give you real specific instruction, but because there are others in the group as well, it, it doesn't cost nearly as much. I mean, Teresa McCoy, real active in our Eagles community, you can connect with her. She's got the real life process, and she walks people through that 12-week process. Uh, Giovanna Ellison, she's got her Thrive Mastermind. It's $450 a month. I mean, if you put a note in the Eagles community, you're going to have 10 coaches showing you what they offer. And I encourage you to go ahead and do that. Just put it out there. It's a real common kind of offering for what I think it is that you're needing. But thanks for asking. Again, a, a great question. And I'm sure a lot of you could use you know, some coaching. And again, I mean, that's a great example. If you would like kind of a coach to come alongside, but you don't want to justify, I mean, I'm in a coaching program where it's a group program. There's 28 of us in the same kind of class going through. Now, mine is $10,000 a year, but if I got the coaching that I'm getting from the facilitator in there individually, I mean, I'm sure it'd be $10,000 a month. So you reduce the cost dramatically by being in a group program if the group itself really addresses the needs that you have. Well, Raven says, I'm at a crossroads. Dan, I'm at a bit of a crossroads and need some ad- advice. I like the, I like this question. You know, I love being able to sort through questions that you all submit because I try to choose questions that would have broad application for a lot of other people who are listening. But Raven, she says, I'm at a bit of a crossroads, need some guidance. I'm a new loan officer. The job is 100% commission. I'm not a natural born salesperson but I've learned a lot and I'm starting to get the hang of it. I'm recently on my own. So I have new expenses like rent and no help. Even though my job is hundred percent commission, unemployment insurance will probably stop because my relationship with my employer will be ongoing. So I won't qualify as unemployed. Yeah, certainly not. If you're in a commission sales position, you're not unemployed. I really enjoy this job, even with all its challenges, but I also want to be smart. Should I just go out and get a job so I have a regular income, even though that means I will have little time to put into the loan position? I can do it part-time, but it's better when you can be available all day. Or is there some trick to making 100% commission work faster? I've also looked into gig work, but of course the money is less. Potentially I can make a lot of money as a loan officer, but it takes some time to ramp up. What's your best advice? Or what would you do if you had little savings and needed to make money quickly, but didn't really want a regular nine to five job? Raven. Wow. All right. Great setup. Now, so let's look at this loan officer. Now, the thing with being a loan officer is that it takes a little time for a loan to go through and be completed. So if you start the process today with somebody, 
you know, it's, it would be rare that it would be finished in 30 days. Most closings are going to be 45, 60, or even 90 days. So you have to have things in the pipeline, but it's much like being a real estate agent. Same kind of thing. You can have somebody say, Hey, we want this house, but it's not going to close for again, that period of time. So real estate agents always want to have, you know, five or six deals working at the same time. So you get, you have to fill the funnel initially, but then once you have that pipeline full, then the income can be really, really consistent. So all we're talking about is let's say even the first 90 days. So can you survive 90 days? And it may be that you do do something else like in the evenings where you would be available all day long, but then you're working at home Depot or target or something just to have some, you know, have, have money for just basic expenses. But I wouldn't encourage you to do something that interferes with your ability to do this. If you're really serious about it, I mean, loan officers can make a lot of money and typically, as I'm sure you know, a loan officer is paid 1% of the loan amount. So if you do a, a $500,000 loan on a house, that's a commission of $5,000. So if you did two of those a month, I mean, that's 10,000 bucks. I mean, you can, you can do that. Now the average income for a loan officer is about $74,000 a year, but that's an average. And you know how I feel about averages. You don't need to be average. Just do what some of the other people aren't doing and you can bypass that. So if you are doing one or two, $300,000 loans per month, then you're going to earn around, you know, 60 or $70,000. But high producers, and I know a lot of people who have done extremely well as commission loan officers. And I'm going through a couple of processes, real estate transactions right now. And I know, know the, the loan officers involved and I know pretty well what they're, what they're doing. But let's say that a high producer closes $4 million per month. Of course, this has a lot to do with the kind of loans that you're closing. I mean, if you're closing million dollar loans, then obviously you only need four and you're at that $4 million level. If you're closing $150,000 houses, it takes a whole lot more to add up. No right or wrong, good or bad, but you just have to be realistic about the market that you're in and who you're going to be getting as referrals. But if you did that $4 million a month, that's $40,000 a month in income. And there are certainly people out there who are doing that consistently. So the real question is, what is the funnel for referrals? Now, hopefully you're with an established company where they're giving you referrals and giving you leads. I mean, to just go out knocking on doors, that's not a good approach when it comes to closing loans. There has to be some kind of credible umbrella that you connect yourself with that gives you the credibility and that then gives you referrals and leads as well. But in some sense, it's kind of like if you're selling water filters. And we know that on average, one out of 23 doors you knock on will buy. And you're going to make $1,000 on that sale. So you can knock on one door a day for 23 days. So essentially a month's worth of work and you get your $1,000. Or you can go out and knock on 23 doors this afternoon. 
because you can get through the rejections really quickly. You don't have to spend a lot of time on those. It can take you two minutes, get a rejection and you go on. And that's a legitimate part of making these kind of sales. So when you're on commission, you ought to be able to figure out pretty quickly what your closing percentage is. I mean, I've, I did a little project one time that I did actually for a couple of years. It created incredible income, but I knew that my closing percentage was 67%. So my goal was to make 15 or to, to knock on 15 doors every morning, knowing that I wouldn't get the decision maker there. I didn't call ahead for appointments or anything. I would walk in cold selling a product that I was selling. And I knew that out of the 15, what I really wanted to do was make eight presentations, eight presentations. That was my goal. I knew that my closing percentage was 67%. So I could calculate out, boom, if I made those eight presentations, I could at the end of a week, you know, make five, $6,000. So I, I knew that. And it was just predictable because I knew the numbers. You want to do the same as a professional commission salesperson, which I commend you on doing. It's a great opportunity. There's nothing that can open the door to income like commission sales. And even though you say you're not a natural salesperson, nobody's natural. You learn how to do it well. So learn from people like Zig Zig or seeks to closing the sale Old Tommy Hopkins material can help you close, be more effective in selling. You learn how to do it. But when you learn it, wow, what a tool you have. There's nothing more transferable from product to product, industry to industry, company to company than having sales skills. It'll serve you well. Well, hey, just a reminder, these are real life questions. Awesome ones as always. I love getting those in. You can submit yours as well. Just shoot that question in to askdan at 48days.com. And it's the easiest way to get it in. That's the way most people send them in. we got an audio one coming up here, but most people just send that in. You can do that as well. All right. Well, let's go to an audio question here. got a question about reading to kids. Can this be monetized? So check this out. Hi, Dan. My name is Christy, and I am 59 years young. I have been in accounting most of my working days, with the exception of going to college in my mid-30s, graduating and teaching elementary school at 40 for eight years. I have a mission. My mission statement is to instill a lifetime of love for reading into the hearts and minds of young children. I want to read books to kids that teach positive morals and character traits, teach mindfulness and meditation. I did set up at our county fair last September and read to 21 children ranging from age about four months to eighth grade. The eighth grade girls just loved the book we read. I would like to monetize this. I would like to quit my full-time job and do this as a full-time basis, reading at fairs, schools, libraries. Uh, I would like to dress up as a, you know, as a fun person and uh, at the county fair, I dressed up in overalls with handkerchiefs all the way around like a skirt. Um, I want to know if this is something I can monetize. I'd like to, again, quit my job, do this full time. My family thinks I need to wait till I retire and do this as a volunteer. Thank you. Oh, I love your question, Christy, and I love your heart for what you want to do to entertain but inspire kids by reading to them. Now, 
my thing is follow your passion and then be creative about how to generate income. So I would rather encourage you to grow dandelions if that's your passion than to try to talk you into being a computer programmer because we know there are good paying opportunities there. No, follow your passion. You can, you can do that. I mean, we have things in our property here, you know, a lady who carved an eagle out of a standing cedar tree that had died. I mean, that's not the kind of thing that you're going to have a vocational guidance counselor tell you you need to do. And you're not going to get much encouragement from parents and friends. Typically, you're going to carve in wood. How's that going to work for you? Well, it works very well for the lady who did that. And this can for you as well. Let me give you a couple ideas on this. When you talk about dressing up and having a little group of kids there that you're reading to, I can understand your enjoyment of that. That's probably going to be the lowest pain application of what it is that you want to do that there is. So don't do that full time. Have that be something you do once a week just because you enjoy it so much. And it can maybe that, you know, parents give you a, a little contribution or donation or something, or you may have something there that you sell that creates income. You may have some interesting children's books with you, you know, have the old college, just have a series with you that you may have a distribution right for where you can make some money and actually selling those. You can whet their appetite by reading a story. I mean, the adventures of Tom Sawyer, you know, something like that, and then have those available. So somebody can purchase them as a source of income. But here's some other things. Jim Hodges is an example that I use in one of my books who he reads stories for kids, but in reading stories for kids, now he reads things like out of the old, um, out of of the public domain. So there's not an issue with copyright and all of that, but he reads these stories and in doing so creates audio products for homeschooled kids. Then he and his wife go to about eight or 10 different homeschooled conferences during the year and they sell the product. But in selling the product, he generates, I mean, close to $200,000 a year. I mean, I know Jim, he shares with me his numbers because I love telling his inspiring story. He makes way more than being a school teacher, which is what he thought he was positioned to do. No, but he took the one thing that he really enjoyed and turned it into that kind of income. So he, he has, you know, stories about, patriotism, where you may have 37 books that are under that category, and they range from 18 to $25 to purchase the audio versions. So they're not inexpensive, but that's something that he's done. Here's another example. Lee Lentz is a magician, great guy. He and Vanessa, his wife, they were doing magic shows for like birthday parties. Well, it's pretty tough. You know, you can get a hundred bucks for doing that, but how are you going to turn that into an income that you can live on? And so we looked at what is it you could do that in using your magic skills would command a higher kind of revenue. Well, today Lee does product introductions for companies at exhibition, at conferences and big trade shows. His standard fee is $15,000 a day. Now, here's the deal. If Ford is introducing a new model, Lee is going to draw a crowd 
because he can pull people in like magic because he does magic that is so intriguing. So he'll draw a crowd. So here's everybody else's booth, you know, empty. And this booth, you know, has 150 people standing around it and he'll do some spectacular magic. But he took his desire, the the enjoyment he got from doing kids' birthday parties and just tweaked it for an application that made more sense. That's You've got to look at four or five different ways of generating income. You can do, again, the personal appearances, but that's not likely to create significant income. So leverage what it is you enjoy doing by considering audio recordings, a podcast. I mean, audio recordings, obviously, you could just sell those. As I mentioned, a podcast. You get a podcast that really has a lot of listeners. My goodness, you can get, you'll have advertisers knocking on your door who want a little product insertion, and you can create, you know, $5,000 a month from advertising revenue. If you have a podcast that's getting a lot of listeners, you can do YouTube videos. I talked about that a couple of weeks ago. I talked about um, the shaytards who do videos and make extraordinary income because they're paid for views. So if you get a lot of views, YouTube will pay you just because people are viewing that because they can then run their little banner ads. So you could do again, audio recordings, a podcast, YouTube videos, writing your own, own kids books, being a distributor for books where you sell them. Those are the ways that you can take exactly what it is you want to do to inspire kids, but just tweak that, be a little creative in how you create a model and you can create a very, very realistic and robust business model. Golly, thanks for your question. I love that. Well, we got a question here from David and he listed his, the banner on his question was pastor thinking of resigning. So this is his question. Hi, Dan, I'm a 55 year old pastor. I've enjoyed 20 plus years of church work ministry at multiple levels leading large and small churches, starting multi-sites, teaching on the university and undergrad levels, and even planting an excellent and now thriving church in the Southwest. The church I'm serving now has impacted many people in my 10-year stint, but frankly, I'm tired of the same struggles and the same spiritual laziness and lack of commitment of the people. Financial issues have kept us from hiring much-needed staff, and I can't seem to get anything going. Their vision is no longer matching mine, And I have a resignation letter in my desk from three years ago that I look at almost daily now. With 10 solid working years left, I'm hesitant to leave because of the money, which is on the upper end for a pastor. As an Enneagram 7, I'm always looking for new things, so I don't want to leave because of the shiny object syndrome, but I'm strongly, strongly considering it. I do life, church, and career coaching on the side, and I love it. Others have told me I'm one of the better speakers they've heard on business leadership and life development, and I could step into that very easily. If I were to leave, my Venn diagram would be speaking, coaching, resourcing. Should I stay and just stomach the church and develop my next chapter on the side, or should I simply tell the church I'm done in three months and piece together income from various sources? Thanks for your help, David. All right. Golly. Well, you know where I'm going to go with this. Should I stay, stomach the church, and develop my next chapter? No, you cannot stay. You can't stay. All right, now let me give you a couple examples here. Now, David, you you know me. And you know stories about, I've got stories in this new 20th anniversary edition. I've got multiple stories about pastors who have transitioned out and gone on to other things. Uh, Ron was a 
young pastor came to me frustrated what he was doing, but thought he was doing something godly. And I said, man, you're not doing something godly. You're an imposter. Quit trying to pretend. Figure out what it is that God has really gifted you to do. Move into that. Well, he's today he's an, uh, an artist. He does these magnificent paintings. I have one here in my office. Moved into that. He's making four or five times the money he ever dreamed of making as a pastor. And he has that sense of being in his sweet spot. That beautiful blend we get of passion, talent, and money. Um, another pastor I've mentioned on here, who I worked with fairly recently, who moved out of being behind the pulpit on Sunday, and he now is a facilitator for programs offered by one of the big training companies out there where he, he is contracted for 10 days a month. They put the people in the room. He walks in as a skilled facilitator, presents their content. So he's just paid for doing what he enjoyed doing as a pastor anyway, but again, has increased his income dramatically and he's only working 10 days a month. He feels like he's on vacation, no evenings or weekends, all the unrealistic things people in a church expect you to do. There's a whole lot of opportunities to move into other things. Now, that being said, you are extremely well positioned with what it is you already have in place. As you mentioned, you know, you're already speaking, you're already coaching. You don't have to start from a clean slate. You can do this. Here's what I would, here's what I would encourage you to do. I would encourage you to be more intentional about your coaching options. You know, on your website, it's not real clear what it is. Be real clear about what your coaching packages are. Use your existing center of influence to promote your events. You know, look at the books that you've already got out there. You know, can they be a core message for something you want to be known for and help you develop a personal brand? There's some unique things in the, what you've, what you've written that would certainly lend themselves to that, but then creative and diagram with projected income in each area, then move to be consistently generating 50% of your current income, whatever it is that you're making now, get to the point where you're doing 50% of that consistently and then give your three month notice. Now I'll give you a real specific strategy and motivation to make that happen as quickly as you can. And I'm not one to just burn the bridge kill the golden goose. No, but if you can show that you're consistently at 50% of your current income with the side business things that you're doing, then we know you're on track to fill that gap very, very quickly. That's what I would encourage you to do. Well, of course, there are, in summary here, we can remind everybody of the Quotation we had today from Steve Jobs, your work is going to fill a large part of your life. And the only way to be truly satisfied is to do what you believe is great work. And the only way to do great work is to love what you do. If you haven't found it yet, keep looking. Don't settle. Wow. Well, that's how we want to set it up. Let me do a quick summary here and we'll wrap this baby up. Quick summary. You don't need to incorporate your business until you're generating fifty to $60,000 in revenue. If you have more work and clients than you can handle, turn your expertise into forms that create residual income. Number three, if you want a minimal amount of coaching, look for a group program rather than an individual coach. Number four, if you're in commission sales, track your numbers, be consistent in making sales calls and presentations. Number five, if you enjoy 
doing something that doesn't make a lot of money, don't discard your passion and enjoyment, but look for four or five creative ways to turn that passion into passive forms of income. And number six, don't ever try to inspire others if your own inspiration and joy is gone. Again, you cannot stay in something you don't enjoy. You're not serving them well. You can't do great work when you're just stomaching it or just sticking it out. Well, again, our resource for today is the free quiz. Love your work quiz. Go to 48days.com slash love your work. 20. Again, thanks for the questions. Keep shooting those in. Ask Dan at 48days.com. Look forward to unpacking those every week and sharing them here in ways that we hope inspire many of you. Please check out the podcast reviews. Be delighted to have you leave a review there. That spreads the word. Let's more people know what it is we're doing here. And thanks for being part of this growing community where we know without a shadow of a doubt, we can find or create work that is meaningful purposeful, and profitable.